Alright, welcome back to the Whitetail Experience Podcast. It's hunting season for some people out there. I know Wisconsin, Kentucky, uh, I believe Missouri, but it's uh, it's here folks. And we are oh, roughly one weekend removed from bow hunting here in Ohio. I'm jacked up. I've had a cup of coffee. It's about 6.20 in the morning. Just got off the phone with Dave going over some Kentucky notes. Life is good. And, uh, you know, I hope everybody's out there kind of getting ready to go. If you got an October start, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I hope you can scratch that itch in other ways. Um, but today's podcast is, is going to be a look at, one, what I learned in Kentucky, kind of a summary on, on some hunting down there. And then also, like, just some tips, some things I've learned from doing some, some mini deer camps and what worked well, what I would recommend hey, this is a pretty cool idea here. And some of these have come from, I have done Indiana, Wisconsin, Montana. I think that's it. And and I used to do some deer camps here in Ohio, uh, pre-family life, more in that um, oh, 22, 23, 24 year old range. And I wasn't the best deer hunter back then, but we did do some camping trips, pretty cool stuff. And so, yeah, these are just some some things I've noted. I, I listened to a lot of Jason Samkovia on the uh, traditional bow hunting and wilderness podcast. Uh, I'm not a trad bow hunter by any means, but I think he has some really good tips and tricks. Kevin Vistason is another guy that I can ask, oh, camping type advice from because he's done a little bit more of that. And uh, obviously, you know, he's kind of familiar in that those those skills or whatever and Dave's done a decent amount of camping as well so this is kind of just some some stuff to note here and, and guys looking to do a trip like this uh, or pick up some gear to do stuff like this I think this is a, a good podcast but let's get on with the the hunting side of things let me take a sip of my coffee here you know gotta be gotta be wired gotta be jacked also note, I am 90% done with the video of my weekend hunts in Kentucky. That should be out in that Onyx series, um, hopefully this week. But, so last Friday, I took two hours of PTO and jumped on the road to head to Kentucky. And I'll say this, I chose the fastest route, I would not do that again. Because it took me, oh, two lane, 45 to 55 mile an hour roads and that's fine for an hour or so. And I was, you know, jacked up, feeling good, but like no cruise control, limited stops. Um, definitely made the drive. I could have drove like 15-ish minutes further and gone more highway routes. And I did that coming home. So <laughs> noted there. It was funny. Zoe and I were discussing at the, the at, like when we were hunting, I was like, okay, if it's, if it's 17 minutes further to go on the highway, would you take it? 20. 25 what's your line and our line was somewhere in the the mid 20s somewhere around 22 25 minutes that if it was if it was quicker to go the two lane we were going to suck it up and do it on the way home i think also it depends too how tired you are because yeah you don't want to be sitting there miserable behind the wheel but yeah so headed down friday I elected to actually drive straight to the piece instead of stopping and dropping stuff off at a campground that we had booked and I think, I think that was a good call because by the time I stop, and even if I just throw bags at the spot, right? Like, and I just like unload my truck for 10 minutes, let's say I don't unbox anything or whatever. 
it was still going to put me behind because the campground of the peace is 25 minutes. So I elected to drive straight to the peace um, and just pray nobody stole my shit, which that allowed me to get boots on the ground. Zoe was a, a cluster getting down there. He had to like go get his camo bin from his mom's house. It was so he got down there stupid late um, and decided to just drive the roads while I was in the timber and, and putting boots to ground. So I got there and uh, I essentially stayed on the ground that night and was walking around trying to find some oaks, trying to get a lay of the land. When I first got there, I actually drove the loop. I drove, oh, one solid boundary, the whole boundary, and then I looped up into the other one and drove probably half to three quarters of it. Felt I had seen enough things at that point to, to look at uh, two clusters of pins that I had dropped on my Onyx and was like, okay, um, based on these perimeter, what I was seeing, hay fields, I was found a small cornfield. That was, you know, enough for me to be like the, oh, the, the aerial photos I had observed. Okay, those could be potential food sources and deer may be moving off the public to these, at least in the dark. Who cares? I don't care if they get there in the daylight or not. So jumped into the piece. I parked actually where I could walk some distance, but I could get to two clusters of pins that I had marked on Onyx. And I had basically looked for oh slightly further stuff from the truck, which I think might I might not have needed to do after being there. We'll get to that later. But uh, I was looking for oaks. I was looking for cover. And temperatures Friday night were actually pretty good. They were like 70s and, and kind of cloudy, overcast. Actually, though, it did warm up the last two hours um, of the day. I remember when I was driving down there, I was looking at, at low 70s, low 70s. But I think, you know, just based on what was moving through, that temperature didn't... I didn't get an evening drop like you normally get here in the fall. So, whatever. But it was still cooler. It was, you know, 70-ish. Zoe actually did not see any deer from the road. And I'm going to push pause. This dog of mine is going to die. 30 seconds. All right, folks, we're back. That dog's been put in its place back in the kennel. Anyways, so, yeah, Zoe was driving the roads. I was in there. Um, I found what I considered, like, good trail cutting through this ridge system. And so I started following it back because it was, it was like a terrain feature that was forced deer into this ridge system and and so i was like well this is one of the most beaten deer trails i've come across and i started heading in there and caught a few tracks and then started seeing some older rubs uh found some oaks that were dropping and and i was, I was feeling pretty good but I, I kept having dave's voice pop into my head because i'm looking at my onyx and i'm like you know, I'm back in here a ways, but I'm not terribly far from the trail system. And, and this comes, from, I think, from hunting Ohio. And, you know, I I realistically, I think I got to look at those trails, at least on this piece. I don't think it's getting as much pressure as what we're getting here from a uh, bow hunting perspective. Because over the course of the trip, we actually never found any tree stands, which we thought was really odd. I walked, oh, a mile and a half Friday night and like six-ish in the timber um, on the piece roughly Saturday. So, so you know, that my total mileage, seven-ish, we'll call it, and never really found another tree stand. And, and, you know, here in Ohio, we find like 
people that put up like ladder stands that have been there for years, you know, that could just be gun hunters. And you always find stands in, in like obvious Dickie Mo places. And I didn't find that here on, on the piece in Kentucky where like, you know, you would expect a couple of stands along the edges leading into some of these hay fields. Cause the guy was like, all oh, these deer are in the fields, you know, like I just, in Ohio, we find dumb stands like that all the time. And it could even just be, um, Oh, the guys that have permission on the private, they've at least got stands on the edge of the public leading into these field type habitats of, of any sort, really. So yeah, Friday, I, I, I found those tracks started going in there Dave's voice pops in my head, says, you got to get farther from the trail system. Realistically, I think I, I actually was okay-ish there. And, and so I literally stopped what I was doing. I kind of had confirmed on that cluster of pins, okay, I probably need to adjust what I've, I've originally dropped and just go to the, come into this ridge system a slightly different way to get away from the hiker trail or, or, the, or whatever. So I pulled out of there and went over to the second cluster of, uh, pin systems oaks dropping really good i noticed on the military crests of this piece a lot of good trails like good solid beaten down trails on on the military crest uh military crest is just that oh that flat spot before it really dips down in sometimes you get a military crest uh just above creeks and stuff where it's uh you know, it's above the creek on that first shelf. And then sometimes you get military crests on, on various other locations of the hill. And, and I just noticed that there was good trails on that. And and there was really a decent amount of, of harder deer trails on the piece in general. And something I noticed on this scout Friday night is you'll see in the video, dude, I walked by some good rubs. Like, yes, they weren't fresh rubs. They were, you know, year over year rubs or uh, from years past. And to me, that was just encouraging to know that there was bucks on the piece using it and the quality of the rub was good. So I'm like, okay, this is, you know, this is not a four point rubbing this stuff up. It's, it's a solid, you know, racked buck at this point, I'm thinking. And just the number of rubs. So, so, you know, I'm like, okay, at least last year there, there was some buck activity going on in the piece. Uh, I just walked by, I would say 30 to 30-ish rubs, you know, like, I don't know if maybe that hill system I was on is a, is a, is a big, like, I got to look at maybe how the bowls are shaped, maybe that, that ridge system is the ridge system come the rub, but I was shocked at the number of rubs, and good rubs, uh, found some oaks there, squirrels were going on, but at this point, I haven't kicked up any deer, and, and I'm a little surprised at this point, I've walked a solid mile-ish, and, and I found some habitat that's one, I did cut some fresher tracks, limited deer shit up to this point, and I found a few oaks that are essentially farther in, away from trails. Like, there's, I should be bumping some deer at this point, and, and I haven't. And, and to me, it kind of gets my wheels turning, like, what's going on here? Clearly, there was deer here last year with the rubs I'm seeing, but, you know, whatever. Uh, I make my way up a ridge. I find a clumpy buck turd, if you believe in that, and some oaks around here with a couple good trails, and I kind of think I'm, I'm essentially, you know, in, in a hunting zone at this point. It's about 30 minutes till legal is over. I stop what I'm doing. I hang my bow um, and, and just kind of hunch up next to a tree. I said, if anything comes through, maybe I can get a shot. And at this point, I'm, I'm buck only first night. I don't, I don't want to shoot a doe and be messing around till one in the morning. We pull out of there and we head to to camp and and this is kind of where i'll pivot and i'll get back to some of the hunting but 
you know, camping setup wise, the tent I, I, I purchased based on Sam Kodiak's recommendation. I'm sure I'll do a YouTube video. It's a Kodiak canvas 10 by 10. You can pick them up anywhere between 450 to 550, depending on the model and, and looking for a sale. It's six and a half foot ceiling. It's canvas, so it does breathe, but you, it's a, essentially a four seasons tent. Like you can put a little buddy heater in there uh, or an electric heater if you've got electric for camping. And I really bought it for these long weekend deer trips. In years past, I previously have used a trailer. Um, my dad has a little A-frame camper that sets up in about mm, five minutes. It's super slick. Negative there is you got to pull a trailer so your gas mileage suffers a bit. And the floor space, because it's an A-frame, so on the edges where you sleep, you can't essentially stand up. And really only one guy can get dressed in that camper at a time. And my 10 by 10 tent, we could both be doing jumping jacks. Uh, you know, six and a half foot ceiling so we can get dressed in there. You know, you can sleep and still have room for a, 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 maybe a chair or like a small table in the corner. Like there is plenty of room for two guys in, in a camping trip. Three would be a smidge tight, but if you had cots or if you were, um, you know, if you were okay with being close like that for uh, a, a short hunt, you could totally do it. And, um, as far as the camping life, I wanted to spend a little time talking on this and, and talk about, you know, my thoughts and, and what I've learned. And one thing it would I, I, I've got bulleted here is start early. You can't just throw this like everything all together literally this the same week you're gonna go. Sure, it can be done. It's a little stressful, but like something like we had done. Oh, I wish I would have done earlier. Was was book a camping site. But we had started, oh, prepping the gear. Like the, the camping bins were almost prepped literally, oh, 10-ish days out. I had started food prep like two weeks out just so I didn't have that big rush at the very end. In fact, one of my notes here is the hunting stuff, my hunting bag in general, I think it took me 45 minutes to fully prep. Uh, and I do appreciate all those comments on that little like time lapsey type video I did of, of packing up my stuff. I think I'm going to tweak it just slightly from that video. I think I'm going to put the camera arm actually on the outside of my bag. But we'll get into that. So yeah, like the hunting bag took 45 minutes. And that's just because like I'm particular and, and kind of want it organized. I packed it a few different ways. Just trying to look at little efficiencies there. Because um, I got a smaller bag this year. And I'm liking it. But I would definitely say to start early. We Let's see here. Food-wise, I did like a venison roast and rice. And I froze like two rice bowls uh, for meals. We did... Uh, I bought these uh, like biscuit dough. Uh, you know, the refrigerated tube. And baked those. And had some sausages as well. And so we we, we froze those two, those two items. And then like kind of a... a something that hit me midweek is... is Take a pizza, take a bake a pizza or buy a pizza from your favorite place and freeze it. Pizza's like a utility food, you know. It's a little morale boost at the end of a hunt if you want it, or uh, you could also double it over as a breakfast item and eat it cold and not have any food prep in the morning. Just grab you a slice of pizza and roll. You know, I I know guys can survive on bars 
or whatever for breakfast and Dave's kind of that way. Me personally, I just get too hungry uh, mid hunt if I don't eat a bigger breakfast. And I think that's just due to like, okay, you're going to walk for 30 minutes with, with 20 pounds of gear, climb a tree, hunt for a couple hours. Maybe it's cold out. I just get hungry. So yeah, like I would definitely look at starting early. Uh, the food prep stuff, I, I do it slow over time where, where I, I don't try and kill myself. Like the venison roast was a crock pot, you know, to cook that. So I didn't have to like really put much effort in and besides just like pouring a can of beer over a, a roast and setting that thing with a little sriracha and some seasoning. And uh, oh, another like item prep that, that I, I picked up, obviously, Jason Simkoviak recommended this. And so I tried it and results were phenomenal. But uh, obviously with this trip, we got to take a decent amount of water. So I, I bought a, a case of water or whatever, the 16 ounce bottles. And I froze probably like seven, nine, somewhere in there, bottles uh, in my deep freeze before the trip. And that essentially made me like, oh, cut my ice. Like I didn't have to one, buy ice. Two, it gave me like a big block of ice, which obviously like melts significantly slower. Uh, kind of like those big snow mounds that you see in parking lots in late February, March when everything else is melted. But like because it's a solid block of ice, it definitely holds that 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 energy of the frozen water way better than oh the smaller cubes coming from your refrigerator. So yeah, I laid down like seven to seven of these across the bottom of my my cooler. I have an Arctic cooler. I bought it oh shit like eight years ago, you know, and it's half the price of a Yeti. And uh, you know, people say, oh, I'm not gonna spend 180 bucks on a cooler, and I get it. But I do think some of those like Coleman Extreme, some of those better coolers. Just think of it like you're going to have that thing for like 15 years or whatever. So like getting a second tier cooler is something I, I definitely recommend. But Dave's got the Coleman Extreme and then he also has like a better one. I can't remember the It's Lifetime might be the name of it. But that's like you don't need that. You can by all means get away with maybe that Coleman Extreme a uh, little better. But bottom line, dude, I had a plenty of ice even until like I got back Sunday. I had ice in that cooler Monday. And so, yeah, like it, it definitely, I noticed a difference as far as my ice melt with having all those big bricks of water. And obviously they double as a, as a water bottle. We did eventually start pulling them out and drinking them as they were melting and having ice cold water. Um, but that was cool. So, uh, Saturday evening or Friday evening, we had quesadillas. All I did was bake those prior to going, you know, a little cheese, a little ground venison, onion, pepper. And uh, all we did was reheat those on a propane type burner, which was nice to not have to really cook once we got back to camp because, you know, I hunted till I think it was dark in the timber, like 745, 8 o'clock. It, it definitely gets dark a touch earlier in early season just due to the canopies full. And But I still had like a, over a mile walk, um, you know, by, by the time I had scouted, I was, I was pretty far from the truck. So I had to walk back and then we had to drive 20 minutes you know, back to the campground and it might've been 25. So it was, it was a later night. I think we got to bed 11, 1130, got up at like four. Um, so, so, you know, it was, it was a rougher, uh, sleeping situation. I would say this also worked well from a camping hunting perspective is, uh, we saved 20 bucks on the campsite and got a primitive site, no electric. And especially if you're out there not filming, you, you know, you only spending time in camp for literally sleeping and eating. Um, you could probably charge enough of your phone or have one of those portable to like, we always have those, those little power sources we take to the timber. And, uh, we used a boat battery. Uh, if you have a, a trolling motor of some sort, you got one of those deep cycle batteries, you could totally rock. 
And yeah, we threw an inverter on that. Um, I've used that in the past to do a cheap tailgate where I, I set a TV with rabbit ears on the back of the truck and power it with a, with a boat battery. But yeah, you can totally do that. It, it worked well. It allowed me to charge some of the camera stuff, um, charge my phone. So, so I definitely give that a, a solid A plus to save 20 bucks, still have some power. Small lanterns, that was key for, for just kind of prepping food in the dark. And then headlamps, obviously, we just double those over from our hunting. And, and you always got to, uh, you got your hands free and able to, to prep your stuff at the campground. Um, I did buy a cot this year from Coleman. It's uh, $35 on Amazon. It, unf you know, it folds out in literally like 10 seconds. And that was pretty slick. I've never had a cot before. Dave and Dave bought oh, a better tent two years ago. And we, we said, you know, we're going to end up buying cots at some point just because you can store stuff underneath it while you sleep, a little better sleeping situation. And when you're on these trips, you know, sleep is important because you're hunting hard. You're uh, away from home. You're, you're away from your comforts. I, I've listened to Tony Peterson, who's an outdoor writer, been on Wired to Hunt, now has his own podcast. He talks about um, the importance of a good sleep system on these trips just to give you that comfort at home. And, you know, when, you, when you're sleeping good, you can hunt hard. And, and that's obviously a key to killing bucks. That's what we're there for. But, uh, yeah, so, so that's, that worked well. Saturday morning, uh, we roll up, and I dropped Zoe off uh, on the first ridge system where I'd seen some good sign going in but said you got to come in a different way and get further away from the access. So he went into there hunting a military crest, kind of hogbacky type oh, area, just trying to lay eyes on something. And I head back to where I ended my hunt last night. You know, I thought, let me give that spot a, a, an evening and a morning, see if anything comes through. I'll get in a stand so I'll be able to see a bit better and uh, be in a better position to ambush something if it does come in. And I was rocking the double sticks. You know, I actually used 8mm rope and uh, the 1.0. And I would, I, I, a couple quick takeaways from my hunt would be I used the bag holder that was on the camera arm. So, like, I didn't have to, like, have something holding my bag, you know, that was extra. It wasn't an extra step. And I used the bow holder on my stand that uh, I installed this summer. So, I didn't have to, like, fidget with anything above my, you know, head and, and hang the bow up, you know. But uh, that, that was kind of nice, you know. I, I felt like I did get into the tree and set up a touch faster uh, than normal. I was hunting out of the rock climbing harness. And I noticed this, and I think I'm actually going to go back to hunting out of the uh, traditional muddy harness from here on out. Because when you have that, you know, if I'm standing there on my, on my tree stand, I'm facing the tree, I've got my seat down and my bag on the tree, and, you know, you're kind of getting ready for your hunt. You're pulling your binos out. Maybe you're putting a rangefinder away. I personally have to set up a camera, so that sucks. And uh, with the rock climbing system... Even if it stays on the lineman loops, it's all right there, hip level. I've got a bag there. I've got a seat there. It just created a cluster, and I can remember setting up and, and being slightly annoyed that I couldn't ditch my tether to the tree above my head and be working below that. So I think I, think I might retire from the rock climbing harness. Um, 
Anyway, Saturday morning rolls up. Dude, I swear it, I had deer around me in the dark, but I, I could not confirm that. I had a good amount of oaks going on, so, so that always makes you feel like you got deer around you. You're like, oh, yeah, dude, that, that was a footstep. Or that was something eating in eating the acorn. That was not a squirrel. And anyways, about 30 minutes, 45 minutes into the hunt, I start hearing some dogs. And we had seen some, some guys driving roads Friday night that had kennels in the back and didn't think much of it we said ah maybe these guys are you know squirrel hunting with these dogs like we we didn't know this is kentucky maybe they do that down here so you know i can hear these dogs like maybe a ridge or two over and you know honestly i'm, I'm not too worried they, they could kick me a deer for all i know you know um they're fine where they're at and you know they're allowed to be there and it is what it is so uh, about 10, 15 minutes later, the dogs are definitely on the same same hillside I am. I never, tr I saw them, but I didn't get them on video. And I could see them running through. And what was odd is I noticed at this point, I'm like, you know, I've got seven squirrels around me. And, and these, these, none of these dogs like picked them up or whatever. And they kind of just, you know, ran the hillside. If I had to guess, there was 10 of them, you know some sort of hounds of some sort, barking and raising hell. And I can tell they're headed towards Zoe's Ridge system. And sure enough, you know, 10 minutes later, he goes, he texts me that he had a doe 20 yards running from these dogs come right through. So, you know, that was kind of the the, the morning uh, wrap-up at that point. I, I kind of felt my area was busted. And, you know, at this point, we've seen dogs at least on this piece and so I, i'm sitting there in the tree i eat my snack and i decide i think we got to pull out and and pick a new area just based on what's going on here on this piece so i drive back or drive back i get back to the truck go to pick zoe up he left a bow hook top the tree classic first hunt mistake we all been there and uh drive the road a little bit and i i stop one of these dog guys i said hey how you doing you know just friendly chit chat pulling the dave ebright special and letting people talk and tell you, you know, listen to what they'll tell you. And uh, he said, yeah, I, I said, what are you hunting? Because I, I I'm not a dog hunter. And, and, you know, raccoon season in Ohio, I don't think opens till February. so Or February, November. So, like, I don't know what's going on here mid-September in Kentucky. And the guy kind of says, you know, I, me and the guys are here. And I think his license plate was Tennessee or something. You know, I said, well, what are you hunting? He said, yeah, we're running a coyote and fox with the dogs. And I'm like, really? I do see one of the dogs is like numbered or whatever. And so like, this guy's pretty serious. Um, and obviously there's a, he said, he said there's a group of them, you know, so there, there's not just like one guy with dogs. Like maybe it's, it's a few buddies have driven up here and, and picked this out as essentially uh, not a deer camp, but a dog camp. You know, they're doing essentially the same thing I'm doing. Just they're chasing a different game in a different manner. So that kind of like, okay, I uh, pull up my Onyx at this point and I'm like, we're out. Uh, I've, I, don't get me wrong. I think there's deer still on the piece. I've seen deer literally running from dogs, stop, let the dogs run past, and then they go back into a bedding area. But I think normal habitat, like movement types, were probably going to be shut down at this point. And looking back, Zoe didn't see any deer, oh, driving the perimeter of the piece Friday. Uh, didn't see any deer on the private either, which was odd. Um, 
but maybe these dogs have been here since Thursday at this point. I don't know this. You know, this is all running through my head as I'm driving home, like after the whole hunt, and you're trying to piece stuff together and think about your next adventure. But I think, you know, the at this point we pull out, we get we e-scout a new piece, we drive there to the parking lot and uh look at uh what's going on on the piece and you know, really kind of decide this is we, we got two darts to throw haven't really oh pieced anything major together so go back to camp grab lunch head back to the piece and we see in the weather forecast death storm coming thunder torrential downpour terminal downpour bad bad weather in the forecast but I think, oh, my positive mindset says, oh, they're going to get up and move right before that storm, right? And I'm kind of looking, I call Dave, he says, look at the forecast. If it's going to rain all overnight and stop, you know, first thing in the morning, the woods will explode. Um, so that was a solid point there. But it looked like it was just going to rain literally all Sunday to like, you know, the evening hunt. I didn't have the time to essentially devote to that evening hunt on Sunday. I was going to go back and see my wife and kid. And... So I'm like, man, I think I'm going to end up pulling out. But we gave it a go Saturday. And uh, we, we hiked in far. We found a secluded field that we were looking to get to via Onyx. We were going to take a ridge system in 1. I think 1.2 miles. And found some oaks on our way in. And, and this note oh, kind of came up as I'm driving home looking at my whole hunt in general. I probably found... We'll call it 20 to 25 oaks, you know, actual live oaks, dropping acorns, green nuts on the ground. And I think I was two to three days from the deer finding them. I felt there wasn't a lot of green acorns on the ground. They were just starting to drop. I needed maybe a windstorm. I don't know if the cold makes them drop more. But I think I think Dave's headed there this weekend. I think oaks are going to be the 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 dominant player maybe for food at this point because they've had a couple days to really find them i didn't think you know when i was there i never found any deer shit under only one okay i found deer shit under one oak but i wasn't finding oh a bunch of caps and and honestly because there wasn't a bunch of nuts on the ground i don't think yet i think i was just maybe three five seven days early from the deer really turning on to oaks um so yeah, I walked under 20, 25 oaks, only found deer shit under one of them. I hunted that area twice, no luck. But, you know, back on this Saturday evening adventure, so we get back in here to where we're going to cut down to this uh, remote field on the private and walls of honeysuckle. And this is like the p- problem with throwing darts on, on any sort of public or even if it's your homegrown public and you've never been to location A and you're throwing a dart You've never laid boots to ground. You don't know how to access it. You don't know what troubles are in your way. Literally, it is too thick for us to even think about navigating. Um, We thought about ditching the stands and could we get through this. And uh, so we ended up walking like an extra half a mile away from like where we wanted to go. Pause here for a sip of coffee. This pause break is brought to you by the Whitetail Experience YouTube channel. Solid, solid cup of coffee. This is number two. I'm gonna be jacked. I'm gonna get a workout in here in a bit. So, back to this Saturday evening debacle. Um, can't get to final destination. We actually end up oh on a train track, <laughs> and at this point, 
we're walking and we can see on the radar a storm is coming. But we got like a solid hour and a half window at this point. Um, we didn't ne- negotiate you know, a thinner side of that honeysuckle hillside and get through it. But we can't get to final destination. Uh, so at this point, I'm like, Zoe, let's let's find a tree here on a hammer trail kind of coming off of two hills leading to these hay fields to, uh, I think it was the south. I was like, if anything's bedded up on these hillsides, we got a chance. You know, there's clearly a hammer trail crossing the, this this track. And there's a hammer trail on the other side where they obviously go down in and do their thing. I was like, we got a chance. This this storm's kicking in. And as we, before we even get set up, torrential downpour for 10, 15 minutes. Just like a hard rain without thunder is the best way to describe it. So... It actually was super refreshing. I felt great after it. You know, that's the thing. When you're hunting in 70, I think it was probably 80 when we were doing all this walking around. And it dropped it down to probably a comfortable 72, mid-70s. It was great. Got the stands hung. And after that rain, we were, we were around some some hickory trees. And every and obviously after a rain, all those drops, the hickory nuts. Dude, we, our heads were like just like spinning from thinking we were hearing deer coming in. And it gets to be about 45 minutes from, from oh, closing time. And you can just see the black cloud of death rolling in. And uh, we're trying to wait it out. We, we were telling ourselves, seven more minutes. Okay, okay, another four minutes. Let's keep it waiting. Finally, it gets too close and it starts really cracking. And uh, we tear down and we're looking at the maps and, and it's, you know, we cannot afford to like get water on our keys and not have them work in the, the vehicle. The phones die because that's our navigation home. So we throw the things in the dry bag and we ended up, we knew if we walked this railroad track for, I think it was 0.8 miles, we could catch a road and then we could walk like another 1.4 miles to the truck. But it's all like, we said that's probably an easier walk than than navigating this mountain hillside through honeysuckle with with no on X to to essentially tell you the the correct direction to go. That's that's something that I don't think the uh, general oh guy with the private land with a four wheeler pass or you know he knows the place like the back of his hand. Us public land guys, hell, we may be going to a tree stand location we haven't seen in a year or two or never been there. And I really rely on looking at my maps to tell me what direction to, to go. And, you know, as you're navigating stuff in the dark, I can pick trees at, at 40 yards and know that's my line of, of travel. Once I get to that tree, keep walking that same path. But, you know, I spend a lot of time in a, with a headlamp staring at my phone and, and then walking and staring at my phone and walking and measuring distance. So it's a... You know, it's a key piece, and we decided with this rain coming in, we kind of had to, we could not afford to lose our, uh, the, the, you know, those key fobs are so electric. If those get soaked, you could maybe not be having an operating vehicle, you know, when you get back. So at this point, it does drizzle on us a good bit, um, and we start walking and hiking, and, and we're walking. Like, I mean, it's a march at this point. Get to the road. I tell Zoe, you know what, I'll, I'll run the road, I'll walk jog this road back to the vehicle and I'll come pick you up. And he, so he takes my bow and I go with stand and sticks. He had my bag too. And I was like, let me like, um, I'll just, I'll run this road out. And, uh, that was a mistake because it was, 
there was like a half mile of this road that was like a pretty good incline. So I had to, I had to walk jog that. And then I walk jog some other areas just to try to get to the truck at a faster rate. And, uh, you know, at this point it's, it's, we get back to the vehicles. We got about 10 minutes left illegal storm is here. It is, uh, uh, you know, it's a sad end of the trip. We, we, we went back to camp, tore down, and got out of there. We just decided camping and hunting and the thunderstorms for the next 18 hours or whatever it was going to be was just not a, a good use of our time, not a good use of putting pressure on the wife for a, a, a low percentage uh, type deal at this point. Who knows, the dog hunters could have been there for four or five days and blown like the whole main section out that we, you know, the, the main piece we had came down to hunt. Now, I do think those dogs... Um, I've seen deer, you know, you know, come back, but I do think it probably shut down some movement for, for quite a few days. And Dave's headed back here in the next, oh, he, he's going to go this weekend. He's kind of looking logistically at when, when he can make it happen. And, and so I don't know what to make at this point. I would feel a lot better if we saw some deer from the road. That's something that we've gone to Indiana, um, and, and, you know, been driving roads either in the dark or just even around and seeing deer popping out of the private that, that is in the area or um, occasionally on the public here in Ohio. Occasionally, you know, you, you're seeing deer from the road and it just kind of lets you know. I, I'm very curious to make sure there's a decent deer population down there to hunt at this point. I've talked to some some local intel at this point. Uh, i got a few connections in the area and they've assured me that there are deer there. And, you know, I, I don't know, it was, a, it was a little bit of a discouraging, confusing trip when you got these hammer trails, you got a decent amount of oh, last year buck sign, and the habitat looked good. It looked like that place could hold some, some deer, and uh, the lack of tree stands in the trees, you're like, oh yeah, this would never happen in Ohio, we'd, we'd have three or four stands by now, you know, walking around. So, a really TBD. I'm hoping Dave goes down there. I hope he can lay some eyes on a deer. On deer, uh, Andy s- jumped a deer in the dark and then saw, I think, a group of four when he was down there roughly Tuesday of that week or last week. So, um, really TBD. But but I don't want to abandon peace, but at the same time, we have done that in Indiana where we've abandoned a piece after a hunt or two and, and found you know greener pastures. So... We'll see, but I wanted to give you guys an update. wanted to keep you guys in the loop. If you're looking to buy some custom gear, check out code WEXP at checkout. Guys, I think Team Hard Earned Bucks, we're out.